It's been a challenging year. And Consumers Energy knows asking for assistance isn't always easy. Thank you for calling the Assistance Center. How can I help you? Hi, um, I just got my most recent energy bill and I'm not sure I'm going to be able to pay it. It's been a really challenging year and I was just wondering if there's any help available. If you need help with energy and other bills, call 211 or go to mi211.org. The Leslie Marshall Show, the only true democracy in talk radio, of, for, and by you, the people. Live nationwide and streaming live at lesliemarshallshow.com. Call in with your thoughts at 888-6-LESLIE. Welcome back, Only True Democracy and Talk. Thank you for joining us on radio, on stream, on podcast. And if you watch us on Twitter's Periscope, Facebook Live, YouTube Live, and LinkedIn Live. Good to have you with us today. Erica Payne, president of Patriotic and CEO of Patriotic Millionaires, will be joining us in the second half of this hour. But first up, let's uh, kick it off and check what is ripped. The Senate in the state of Florida advanced a restrictive voting bill yesterday, and that includes limits on casting ballots by mail and drop boxes over the concerns of Democrats and voting right activists. They say the bill would create significant new barriers to voters. The Republican-led Senate approved the bill in a largely party-line vote. One Republican joined all the Democrats to vote against it after weeks of contentious debates. The legislation would limit where drop boxes can be placed and would require those casting ballots that way to show identification to an election official first. Sound familiar? Hello, Georgia. Take two, only in Florida, further south. It also makes a smattering of other changes to the state's voting laws, including requiring voters to apply for mail-in ballots more frequently, restricting who can drop off a voter's ballot at a drop box, and preventing anyone. Thank you for the thank you really help the elderly and handicapped there, right? But anyway, and preventing anyone except official election workers from handing out food and water to those waiting in line to vote. I don't get that, okay? I understand somebody running for office should not be handing you donuts with a little pin that says vote for me, or hey, I'm on the ballot. My name is Joe Smith. Here's a donut, you know, little Krispy Kreme or some donkeys. No, I get that. But seriously, if if you know, if 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 you're just like somebody who wants to do a good deed, right? And 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 you want to hand as long as you're not wearing any kind of political paraphernalia, why? 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 Especially in a very hard. I know day. why. What? I you I think you know why, Leslie, too, don't you? If I you don't, I haven't interjected. Well, go ahead, Mark. Go ahead. Well, because they purposefully make the lines long in urban areas where it's more likely that those folks will be voting Democratic based on numbers. And the longer the line, the longer people wait, they get hungry. And if someone's there to give them food, then they're more likely to stay in line than if there is no food, then they're more likely to leave the line, which means they will not vote for the Democratic candidate. Ding, ding, ding. Oh, no, absolutely. But, you know, like if... uh. Arrowhead water or in and out burger. Okay, I'm using California stuff, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, if uh, uh, let, let's say, you know, so, say a water company, 
um, you know, or a celebrity, right? How many times do celebrities go, you know, like, you know, Jose Andres is just like, I'm going to cook, I'm going to, I'm going to make burgers for everybody in line. Right. Um, and, you know, there, there are people out there, companies out there, you don't know the, the political affiliation of the majority of the workers or the head of that company. I mean, it, it's, it's outrageous. Now I know why I'm being facetious. Um, I certainly know why. And, and that's what I want people to ask themselves. Why? Why would anybody do that for the exact reasons uh, that Mark said, which is voter disfranchisement, uh, disfranchisement? Because if look, you have to just look at the stats in the state of Georgia alone. If you look at the presidential uh, race and then the, the, the senatorial race, um, the longest lines were in lower income areas and those lower income areas have a larger number of minorities, more specifically in the state of Georgia, African-Americans. And it, it can be said for uh, Florida as well, uh, not just African-Americans, Latinos, and, and you know, uh, and, and of course, Cubans in uh, Florida are a very large part of the Hispanic population there, and they typically vote Republican. But some of the younger voters actually are, are not in the Cuban-American community. So um, to me, it's just disgusting. I get you don't want the candidates doing it. You know, I get it. But you know, it, and it's and it's so overtly, overtly obvious as to what you are doing. If people are waiting in line for hours, and I have a bottle of water, I'll risk getting arrested, and I'll give it to them. Sorry. But the House has been working on a similar, not identical piece of legislation. That measure, for example, was stripped of language limiting the handout of food and water to voters because, you know, there are some people who want to be humane. Although the bill's sponsor suggested it could still bar the practice if the people doing so are trying to influence a voter's decision. I'm so into nobody, like, you know, if you have cookies that go vote for Marshall, you know, Ron, but if you have somebody just, what about the Girl Scouts? What if the Girl Scouts try and sell their cookies while they're in line? Why not? Don't, don't Republicans love capitalism? Anyway, Florida's push comes amid a broad Republican effort in state houses across the country to place new restrictions on voting, especially by mail, months after former President Donald Trump and his allies made those claims that were unfounded, that widespread voter fraud cost him the election. Um, but it was an opportunity for Republicans to do this, to try and suppress votes in state after state after state, because they know that more so people of color and, and young people um, and, and the people that are standing in these long lines. If you just look at, at Georgia, where were the drop boxes? You may say they added drop boxes. Yes, they did. But I challenge you, go online, look at where they took the drop boxes from and where they put the drop boxes. Go ahead. You'll come back to me and say, Leslie, you were right. <clears throat> Overwhelmingly, uh, poor and minority communities lost boxes, richer white communities gained them. During the debate before the bill passed, Democrats blasted their Republican colleagues for following suit, calling the measure the fruit of Trump's big lie that he won the election in 2020. And Georgia Light, which is a reference to the restrictive voting measures passed in their neighboring state last month, um, according to state Rep, uh, Democratic State Rep, Audrey, uh, Senator Audrey Gibson, she said, quote, this bill is just a vindictive way of trying to punish people for an election that some people just didn't like at the national level. Not one indication of fraud, just a lot of folks decided they were fed up and they wanted to vote. Gibson and other black senators called the new restrictions an extension of the legacy of the Jim Crow South, which with many taking to the floor to tell stories of the historic voter suppression of primarily black Americans in the state of Florida and elsewhere in the South. Uh, and let me just say one more thing on that. Be careful what you wish for. Democrats have done this. Republicans have done this, not voter suppression. But there are times they'll change rules. And you're in power. And you live for today. You don't think of two, four, eight years down the road. 
But, you know, one thing I have to say, if you try to prevent somebody from doing something, you might actually get more people coming out out of anger to vote against you and your party. We saw a lot of that in 2020. I hope we see more of it in 2022, especially in states like Georgia, Florida, Arizona, and other Republican-led legislatures that want to suppress the votes of people of color. Let's rip another. Fully vaccinated people can venture outdoors without masks. That's according to updated guidance from the CDC. Uh, the, this came out today. The guidelines come as more than nearly 29% of people in the United States, um, that's just about a right, third, right, have received all of their shots. More than 42%, though, have received at least one dose. I am one of that 42%. Got my first dose of Pfizer, zero side effects, no sore arm. Although I hear shot number two is the doozy. Some people get kicked in the butt with that. I've heard more people with Moderna, but I have some friends that are a little bit sick with Pfizer, you know, one to three day flu-like symptoms, I will let you know. 15 governors so far have let their state orders requiring people to wear face coverings in public and no side effects from Marky Mark with Pfizer. Uh, after both, Mark, or just one? Both. You can talk to me, you know. Uh, so far, I've let their state orders requiring people to <laughs> I don't wear know why I forgot that for a minute. Yes, both I shots. Know, and I have, you know, shot. other, I have a, a autoimmune disorder. I have a lot of uh, health conditions that people would think maybe, oh, maybe you'd have, you know, side effects. But I think a lot of what it is, is if you look at the percentage, it's very low. But think about it. When you have a bad experience, you tell others about it. I really haven't told a lot of people I didn't have any side effects. And, you know, a lot of people in my family had both shots, no side effects. So, yeah, you feel great after that. It's like a high. You're so excited to just get that in you and get that protection. Well, I'm going to tell you something. Full disclosure, and this does, it does not have to do COVID vaccine. It has two shots. Um I never got the flu shot for years. And then one year I decided to get it because like, I guess it was peer pressure, seriously. And I got it and I got the flu. So my attitude was, come on. I got the flu every year without it. I hate shots. I hate needles. Why would I get the, why would I get it? Yeah. But then I had children who had to get it. And we go to the pediatrician's office, right? And um, it's easier for them to get it if what? Mommy gets it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have to be honest, ever since I've got the flu shot in, you know, over the past few years, I haven't had the flu. Um, or if I did, I only had it like once or twice in a very mild case. Um, so I'm a believer. Uh, the other thing is, you know, I mean, as we age and all of us are getting older every day, your immune system is not as strong as it used to be. I'm sure my immune system's not as strong as it was in my 20s last year. No, I'm just joking. I, you know, I, I say that because people always talk about my age, Marky Mark, who knows my true age. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, they, they, it's on, like so online, important, right? you know, and they have nothing <laughs> to like right. attack I people, on. I have people who say things like, you're too old to wear your hair that way. And I'm like, dang, how old do they think I am? Yeah. And then I'll have somebody say something. Well, when you're in your, and I'm laughing because I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm way beyond that, girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> or or, um, or, or uh, people that say, change your profile picture. It's old. It's like, no blank, Sherlock. I know it's old. <laughs> I'm the one who put it there, you moron. Amen. Anyway, let's take a break. When we come back, we'll have more from the war with Rip from the headlines. We are planning on Leslie Marshall continuing with what's ripped from the headlines. CDC, like I said, said that you can um, outside not wear a mask if you are fully vaccinated and if uh, you're not around uh, a lot of people. 15 governors, by the way, have let their state orders requiring people to wear face coverings in public expire. Many cities and local jurisdictions have also begun to increase capacity at restaurants and businesses. Now, the guidance applies to fully vaccinated individuals. That means unless you had Johnson & Johnson, 
two shots. If you had Moderna or Pfizer, like Mark and I had, two shots, okay? And that would be not just two shots, but two weeks after your second shot. Once again, full dose, full immunity, not full immunity, but you have the most protection, I will say, um, you know, and others uh, have the most protection from you. Two weeks after you get, like yesterday, I have a friend that's like, I'm fully vaccinated, want to have lunch? I'm like, only a first shot. Good. Text me some dates two weeks after you get your second shot. Get it? Got it? Good. Doing physical activities outdoors, by the way, alone or with members of your household, like walking, running, hiking, or biking, you don't need to wear them. If you attend a small outdoor gathering, either with fully vaccinated people or a mix of vaccinated and unvaccinated people, don't need them. If you dine at an outdoor restaurant with friends from multiple households, and um, you know, current guidelines on vaccinated people indoors and traveling still applies. So on planes and when you're inside, please keep your mask on. So it's hard to ask, to assess every individual's risk for severe COVID-19 in mass public spaces or intimate public settings, the agency says. So they ask vaccinated people to wear masks in these situations. Please wear a mask, one. If you're at crowded outdoor events, live performances, parades, sporting events, indoor spaces, a barbershop, a hair salon, a nail salon, a movie theater, uh, attending a full capacity service at a house of worship, singing in the chorus at that house of worship, or visiting an uncrowded indoor shopping mall or museum. Okay, not not that hard. Okay, we're getting to the point we won't have to wear them. It's probably not going to be till next year. How do we how do we not wear them? Wear them until we're told not to and get vaccinated. It's very simple, very simple. A child could do it if we had a vaccine for them. Let's rip another. Speaking of, there's an oral antiviral drug, drug to stop the virus that causes COVID-19 from replicating. They say it could be ready next year if all goes right. That's Pfizer CEO Albert Buria, uh, Burla, excuse me, who told CNBC this today. He added that the drug should work against all variants of the virus. Antiviral drugs, as you know, can be a key pandemic fighting tool since not everyone will get a vaccine and it may take years to fully vaccinate people in certain countries around the world. Let's look at what's happening in India, right? Burla said, Pfizer's working on two antiviral drugs, one injectable, the other oral. He said, quote, particularly the tension is on the oral because it provides several advantages. One of them is you don't have to go to the hospital to get the treatment, which is the case with all of the injectables so far. Well, not if you get it at Walgreens, which I did. You can get it at home. That would be a game changer. But true, you wouldn't have to go out, right, to get it or to take it. Or people that are afraid of needles. He also said the antiviral drug should be way more effective against multiple variants. As you know, we have, what, five variants? And remember, this is a virus. It will keep, uh, it, it, it will keep multiplying, if you will, or it will, it will keep um, uh, reinventing itself and mutating. Thank you, this word I'm looking for, in order to survive. Let's rip another. President Biden is going to sign an executive order today requiring federal contractors to pay workers a minimum wage of $15 an hour. Now, why does this matter? The order will make good on a promise that the president made his second day in office to raise the minimum wage for a range of federal workers. A White House fact sheet describes the workforce, including cleaning, maintenance, cafeteria workers, as critical to the functioning of the federal government, not to mention their essential workers. Let's rip another. So far in his young presidency, President Biden has been one of the best friends the stock market ever had. 
better, in fact, than any president before him, going back to at least the 1950s when Dwight Eisenhower was the man in the Oval Office. As the 46th chief executive has witnessed an unprecedented growth on Wall Street in his first 100 days uh, in office, uh, according to J.P. Morgan Chase strategist John Norman, quote, Biden's first 100 days have already delivered the strongest post-election equity returns in at least 75 years due to record fiscal stimulus and despite heavy use of executive orders. He said the results are, quote, not bad for some uh, former President Donald Trump labeled uh, as Sleepy Joe during the campaign. So in other words, you know, the uh, best financial record <laughs> since Dwight Eisenhower Pretty good for a guy who's sleepy and sleeping on the job, right? And indeed, though, Biden's results have been staggering so far. The S&P 500 rose 24.1% since Election Day. That numbers easily trumps any of his predecessors. The only administration, going back to 1953, or the beginning of Eisenhower's term to rival Biden's, uh, were those of John F. Kennedy. He saw an 18.5% rise during the same period, but still not as high as Biden's. Uh, even Trump often touted how well stocks were doing, 11.4%. Let me do that comparison, 24.1% for Biden, 11.4% for Trump. Let me do that again. 24.1% for a Democratic president, 11.4% for a Republican president. With possibly trillions more coming and spending on infrastructure, a term that congressional Democrats have painted with a generously broad brush that gives forward-looking investors even more reason to plow money right into that market. And on top of that, the U.S. is still vaccinating about 3 million people a day. That, add hopes, that adds hope that more people will continue uh, to come out of their homes and to shop, and that will spur uh, consumerism and economic growth, uh, and the economy will come back to life ahead. In other words, everything's looking good ahead of us, and good days are ahead of us. Good days are, are here. Compare, uh, compare yourself right now to a year ago. Okay, we're in a much better place. Hogan said, quote, it will be intriguing to see what the next 100 days looks like. There's a significant tailwind for reopening. The tug of war between the virus and vaccine is finally being won by the vaccine. Oh, another comparison of President Biden and Trump came out today. Washington Post updated its presidential fact checker total. False or misleading statements in his first 100 days. Donald Trump, 511. Joe Biden, 67. What? I'm getting that down to. Zero. Let's rip another. U.S. Supreme Court Justice Amy Coney Barrett declined to recuse herself yesterday from a case involving a conservative group that spent at least a million dollars supporting her Senate confirmation what? despite Democrats calling on her to do so because of the alleged conflict of interest it posed. It is clear conflict of interest. It is clear. You don't have to have gone to Harvard Law School to see that. The Supreme Court heard arguments yesterday in Americans for Prosperity, Koch brothers, Foundation via Bonta. It was a case brought by the conservative-leaning Americans for Prosperity Foundation challenging a policy in my state here of California requiring charities to disclose their donors to the state. The group alleged that violates the First Amendment. Now, Americans for Prosperity, a conservative, a conservative advocacy group who's backed by, like I mentioned, the Koch brothers uh, or the billionaire David Koch now, Koch brother, uh, is separate from but linked to the foundation. It focuses on education and it launched a major ad campaign urging senators to back Barrett's confirmation last year on which they said they planned to spend seven figures. Lawmakers like Senator Sheldon Whitehouse, Democrat from Rhode Island, Senator Richard Blumenthal, Democrat from Canada, uh, Connecticut, uh, Representative Hank Johnson, Democrat from Georgia, they sent a letter to Barrett calling her to recuse for the case herself from the case, or at least publicly state her reasons for not doing so, saying her hearing the case would conflict with past Supreme Court precedent. So Barrett 
What did she do? She stayed there. She heard the case yesterday. She didn't even offer a public statement on her decision to do so. The Supreme Court has not yet responded to a request for comment on Barrett's decision not to recuse. By the way, don't the other eight justices have a brain and a mouth and they can weigh in? Well, the justice appeared skeptical of the California policy, signaling she may be likely to side with Americans for, Americans for Prosperity, the foundation that helped her get votes to become a Supreme Court justice. Complete conflict of interest. Well, that's what's written from the headlines. I'm Leslie Marshall. Coming up, Erica Payne, who's the head of Patriotic Millionaires. Excited to talk with her and with you right after this quick break. Don't we're back. Welcome or welcome back. I'm glad to have you with us listening on radio, stream, podcast, watching us if you watch rather than listen and listen and watch uh, on Twitter's Periscope, Facebook Live, YouTube Live, LinkedIn Live. And good to have you back with us after the break. I'm Leslie Marshall once again, and we have joining us Erica Payne. As I mentioned earlier, Erica is president and founder of the Agenda Project and the Patriotic Millionaires. They're a group of hundreds of high net worth Americans committed to making all Americans better off by building a more prosperous, stable and inclusive nation and ensuring that millionaires, billionaires and corporations pay their fair share of taxes. Sounds fair. Sounds good to me. Erica, also author of the Practical Progressive, How to Build a 21st Century Political Movement. Jonathan Alter of Newsweek called it a blueprint for progressive conspiracy to help save the country. She is the co-author with Morris Pearl, we've got on the show many times as well, and she's been on before, of the new book, Tax the Rich, How Lies, Loopholes, and Lobbyists Make the Rich Even Richer, and co-author with Dr. Rob Johnson of Make Markets Be Markets, a post-crisis analysis of financial regulation and the U.S. banking system. Eric hasn't been on in a couple of years since 2018, so we're so glad to have her back on the program. It's been too long. And by the way, you can get her book on Amazon and all the places that you buy books. Check it out. And also check out the website for the Patriotic Millionaires, Patriotic Millionaires. Dot org. Uh, Erica, congrats on the book. Yet another Thank one. Thank you. Thank and, you. It's a labor of love. Yeah, I also want to tell folks uh, while we're here and you're watching us or you're listening to us, go to Twitter. Follow the, the Pat Mills at Patriotic Mills and uh, follow them on Instagram at Patriotic Millionaires. On Twitter at Pat, Patriotic Mills, Instagram Patriotic Millionaires. I'll tell you that again. Uh, a couple of times before the uh, end uh, of the uh, program and the end of the segment today. So let's talk about something the president. Seems to have read your book. <laughs> you know, we're gonna we're gonna talk about President Biden's tax proposals. We're gonna talk about your new book once again, "Tax the Rich: How Lies, Loopholes, and Lobbyists Make the Rich uh, Even uh, Richer." Um, there is a plan by the president to raise two trillion dollars through corporate tax hikes. Uh, the Treasury has given out uh, details of that. And this seems to be something favored by most Americans and not just most Americans on the left with D's next to the name who voted for Joe Biden, uh, but some Republicans who voted for him and some who may, may not have. There seems to be this idea that, unless you put the word socialism in it and you get it out, um, that rich people should pay their fair share you and other rich people and the patriotic millionaires have been saying this for years. We've talked about it in person. I've been uh, lucky to be a part of, you know, uh, forums that you've had. And, um, you know, with the book coming out, this is just awesome in timing, but more awesome for the American people. So let's talk about why corporate tax hikes are a smart choice, as I, I would imagine that you think it is, uh, for President Biden to propose in this $2 trillion piece of legislation, and why it's also pretty popular with voters, even if it's not with all politicians. Um, so Leslie, thank you so much for having me on. Biden's, what's fun about Biden's 
corporate tax proposal is that what he wants to do with the money, um, not that the federal government actually needs it, but, but, you know, they need to have a pay for in there in order to get the full support that they need from different senators. And so the pay for, for this big infrastructure redo, which will take, you know, broadband into rural communities, fix roads, fix bridges, you know, do all of that stuff that we've been neglecting for so long. The, the support for Biden's infrastructure plan goes up by 10 points when you tell people it's going to be paid for by corporations. I mean, this is kind of transformative. Corporations have been getting away with murder. And so have multimillionaires. I mean, for decades and decades and decades, they have been the people standing at the drawing board, drawing up what the economy is supposed to look like. And Americans are sick of it. They're sick of corporations. I mean, 55 corporations last year paid no federal income taxes, okay? If you ordered a toothpick from Amazon, you sent them more money than they spent repairing American roads and bridges. I mean, this is patently absurd. And it has to be addressed. And Biden's addressing it. It's great. When you say, and I don't think a lot of people know that, and I'm glad that you said that, um, because I know that with research on this issue and talking about it so much, um, that it, it's not like you know Joe Biden is saying, oh, you rich people have to pay so much more than you were. He's saying to these corporations, you have to pay something when you were paying nothing. Well, yeah, you have to pay something when you're paying nothing. And look, corporations used to bring in kind of historically around 30% of revenues into the United States Treasury. They currently bring in 7%. Okay. The top marginal income tax rate on individuals in world after World War II was 94%. It's now 37%. Who is in charge in Washington has changed a million times in the last 70 years. Wealthiest people in the country and corporations for the last 70 years, their percentage of what they are doing to build this country has gone down. And Biden is the first president in decades to want to meaningfully reverse that trend. Do you think this plan will likely serve as a roadmap uh, for the Democrats in Congress um, crafting legislation to enact Biden's $1.9 trillion American jobs plan? Well, I mean, this is where it's going to get really interesting, okay, because this is when the dynamic that is controlling our country right now comes into stark relief. So the vast majority of Americans, the majority of Republicans, independents, and Democrats think multimillionaires and corporations should pay higher taxes. The people who do not think corporations should pay higher taxes are the K Street funders and lobbyists who pay for our corrupt campaign system. So politicians in Washington are going to have to walk a line. They're going to have to figure out whose side they are on. Are they going to do what the vast majority of Americans want them to do, or are they going to do what their donors want them to do? It's that simple. And speaking of simple, also when you when you look at, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, the research that I uh, had and you know with my crew, of course, I don't do it alone. But it, this this would raise the corporate income tax rate from 21 to 28 percent. That level puts us more in line with our peers globally. Um, that we here in the United States raise less corporate tax revenue as a share of economic output than almost all other advanced economies. And according to the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development, um, when you look at the levels, the levels that corporations have been paying are levels they were paying like back in World War II, correct? 
or haven't been paying higher level higher taxation since World War II. In other words, for decades, corporations have not been paying what our peers in the advanced world have, and quite frankly, what they should be paying if you just look at the increase in taxes for everyday Americans over the years. Well, that's exactly right. I mean, we basically set up an economic system in the United States where working people are paying the vast majority of what happens in the country. When people work for a job, they can't avoid their taxes the way wealthy people who live off investments can. They can't pretend they're doing business in Ireland like Starbucks likes to do and other companies. I mean, there are all of these corporate tax tricks. So like the corporate tax rate going from 21 to 28 percent is a big deal. And that's a good thing. Um, the two things that are, I think are really actually more interesting, Leslie, is that um, is that is that Janet Yellen has been calling for a global minimum tax, which would end a huge amount of this hiding your money everywhere. There, there's the estimates say that about seven between seven and eleven trillion dollars are hidden overseas. Okay, so so we're losing a lot of money, but be that as it may. The other piece of this, though, that is the interesting part, I think, and it, which is really what K Street's upset about, is a couple of pages in the Biden plan where he talks about making it so that companies cannot pretend they do business somewhere other than where they do business. And that is basically how corporations avoid these taxes. They'll pretend like they care about the rate and to an extent they they have some opinion about the rate. They really care about this kind of page and a half, two pages in the Biden plan that is going to eliminate their ability to send intellectual property overseas and pretend they're doing business somewhere other than where they're doing business. That's how they do it. You know, and it's one of these things, it's kind of confusing, but I mean, just long story short, because it's an interesting, Starbucks has tons and tons of coffee stores in the United States. What they do is they have their lawyers assign ownership of that little mermaid logo to Starbucks of Ireland, okay? And then Starbucks of the United States has to pay Starbucks of Ireland mm -hmm. to use that logo. They pay them royalty payments. They can make the royalty payments anything they want to make the royalty payments. So they can show zero profits in the United States and all of their profits in Ireland, even though they sell exponentially more coffee in the United States than they sell in Ireland. You know, and that's how they do it. They, they sit, hit, click on an email and they send the ownership of a logo or intellectual property. That's essentially how they do it. So Biden is getting rid of that. So that's why the K Street lobbyists are flipping out. And that's why 181 CEOs Many of them from companies who paid zero income tax last year, okay, corporate tax last year, they're protesting. They're saying it's going to crash the economy. Don't punish the job creators, blah, 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 okay? And the job creators who send the jobs overseas and still won't bring them back. Uh, interesting. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to be back with Erica. I was just on spring break with my kids and my husband in the Bahamas, and there's so many areas in Nassau that have been devastated by hurricanes and COVID, but you know what wasn't devastated? Banks. Lots of them. Lots of them. We'll be back. I'm Leslie Marshall. Don't go away. Follow Leslie on Twitter. Just go to www.twitter.com slash Leslie Marshall, and we'll be sure to share your tweets. Leslie Marshall, welcome or welcome back only to Democracy and Talk. Erica Payne is our guest, president and founder of the Agenda Project. 
and the Patriotic Millionaires, a group of hundreds of high net worth Americans committed to making all Americans better off by building a more prosperous, stable and inclusive nation and ensuring that the rich folks pay their fair share of taxes. Uh, we are here to talk about Joe Biden's uh, plan. The Treasury Department put out uh, some specifics, um, but we also want to talk about uh, her new book that she co-authored with Mr. Morris Pearl, who's also been on the program. Many of you may remember him. Tax the Rich, How Lies, Loopholes and Lobbyists Make the Rich Even Richer. Richer. And you can get those books at Amazon and everywhere else. Check out their website once again, patrioticmillionaires.org. On Twitter, follow them at Patriotic Mills and Instagram at Patriotic Millionaires. Erica, thank you for holding uh, and welcome back. You had talked about um, uh, ha- you had talked about a minimum tax. You also talked about uh, Janet Yellen, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen. Uh, she told reporters on a briefing call that Biden's plan would end the global, quote, race to the bottom of corporate taxes that have hurt workers and hurt the U.S. economy. Uh, That's uh, per the New York Times. Um, And I want to talk about that minimum tax because uh, what the Treasury Department has said about uh, Biden's proposal is is it would enforce a 15 percent minimum tax on book income of large companies that report high profits but have little taxable uh, income. Uh, and and I, I wanted you, you, you had just talked about having, you know, uh, money overseas. You know, most, most of us aren't very rich. Uh, can you talk to us about, about what the tax code provisions have allowed corporations to do in order, order to reduce those numbers so that they pay little or no taxes and what enforcing a 15% minimum tax on book income for these large companies, what that would look like and what that would do? Yeah, I mean, basically, companies are um, multinational corporations are engaged in a massive shell game. Okay, they move their money and their intellectual property around the globe in whatever way best suits their tax purposes. And so it doesn't have any um, basis in reality. They are pretending to do business in places that they do not do business. And in order to address that, Biden has come up with a plan that basically is going to prevent him to do it. And and he prevents it in a few different ways. Um, One, some of the ways is that he just closes some of these loopholes that allow them to do it. But the other piece is that he's wanting to implement new taxes that basically will deter them from wanting to do it. And I mean, as we said earlier, Leslie, 181 CEOs came out and claimed that they're the job creators and the whole economy is going to collapse if they're if they pay their fair share. And I just want your listeners to understand that the CEOs are lying to you. They are not confused. They don't believe what they are saying. They are lying to you. Okay. I want to give you a case in point. The AT&T, the former AT&T CEO, Randall Stevenson, was a huge proponent of these, of the Trump tax cuts in 2017. He went around and told everyone that the correlation between tax cuts and job creation was very, very tight. Okay. As soon as that tax cut for corporations passed in the Trump era, taking it from 35% to 21%, guess how many people AT&T laid off? Leslie. Okay. Thousands? 40,000. 40,000. 40,000 people laid off after this CEO had run all over the country insisting 
that corporate tax cuts are good for job creation. Okay, so these 181 CEOs, when they go on the news stations and tell you that this is going to hurt jobs because they are job creators, I am telling you, they are lying to you. That is incorrect. It's not even logical, Leslie. Revenues, expenses, including payroll, profits. You pay taxes on your profit. Your profit and the tax rate on your profits has nothing to do with your underlying business model. If you can get more revenues by hiring more people, you will do that. If your customers have more money to spend, you will hire people to meet that customer demand. Your tax rate as a corporation has nothing to do with jobs at all, period. That's interesting. I love the way you put it because I, I I like visuals and you know so uh, I I know you've educated a lot of people who are watching and listening as well. Um, you know when we just talk about support, sixty five percent of voters said they strongly or somewhat support uh, the president raising corporate taxes to pay for the infrastructure plan. Forty two percent of those are Republicans. That's according to the Morning uh, Consult poll. And I don't. Can I just bring up one other thing that I think yeah, yeah. your listeners so angry and that this is another piece that the K Street lobbyists and the CEOs and the investment community are flipping out over. Biden wants to equalize the inc- the rates on taxes that you get regardless of how you make it. So right now there's one tax rate for people who actually work for a living and there is another substantially lower tax rate for people who don't work, don't do anything, but once in a while click a button on an E-Trade account and have their investment income come in. Just to give you some raw numbers, if you're an investor and I'm a working person, okay, you make 100000 next year, I make 100000 last year. You make 100000 I make 100000 I, as a working person, end the year $9,000 poorer than you did. I worked, I end up poorer than the person who did not work and is living off investments. At 400000 I end the year $40,000 less rich than the investor does. And it just goes on and on and on. So we're in this place where we have designed an economy that definitionally creates an unequal society and creates an, a more unequal society more quickly over time. And that inequality is the root cause of our social unrest. And we have to get it under control. And this differentiation between how you make your money is a big piece of it. So that's another piece that the lobbyists are flipping out over. You just did a wonderful segue into what I was going to ask you, because I want to talk about your book, Tax the Rich, uh, that you wrote with former Black uh, Rock executive Morris Pearl, uh, the, the chair for the Patriotic Millionaires. Um, and, and, you you know, 71% uh, of Americans, poll-wise, believe the economy is rigged against them. And you and Morris, you and Mr. Pearl say they're right, right? And you just spoke about income inequality. It's climbed to its highest levels in more than a century, not decade or decades, more than a century, uh, worse than almost any other developed country. So tell us, how do you rig an economy? Because I'm sure that your book teaches us a bit about that. Yeah, look, you want to rig an economy, you start with a tax code. I mean, there's no way around it. You know, wealthy people have designed a tax code that ensures that they get more out of this economy than regular working people. Just case in point, this piece that I just pointed out to you is the investor class pays a lower tax rate than the working class. So you can make the exact same amount of money. You end the year poorer 
if you are a working person. That's the beginning of the rigging. And it goes on from there. There are all these little loopholes we talk about in the book about the stepped up basis when somebody basically entire swaths of capital gains are wiped out when um, when when inheritance moves to the inheritor. Um, the estate tax, the exemptions on the estate tax at this point are at $22 million for a couple. And so, you know, I mean, it just goes on and on and on, but what we, but it's kind of confusing, Leslie. So what we tried to do in the book is make it really, really easy and also funny. So the book starts off the first chapter of the book is what is rich because the only people we want to tax the patriotic millionaires, we define rich as a million in income, 5 million in assets. And if you make less than that, we have no interest in raising your taxes. So we start and off. And when you say that dollar amount, so people know, is that gross or net? So that is, if your income coming into your household is a million dollars, we believe that you can pay higher taxes. Okay. We think if your income is 5 million, 10 million, 20 million, 30 million, you can pay really a lot higher taxes. Okay. But if you're making less than a million bucks a year, we have no interest in taxing you. Okay. So start there. But then the book just kind of runs through it. What is the economy? How do you shape it? What do you do with it? And then it goes into these lies and these loopholes that these people just spout off endlessly into major media outlets and never get challenged on it. Um, and so what we tried to do is create a book that if you literally read it from the beginning till end, you will know 100% of everything you need to know to understand the tax debate. This is going to be a dogfight. In, on Capitol Hill, okay, this um, this Biden plan and trying to reverse this years and years and decades. And, and, the, and the, sorry to interrupt, because to, to your point, I'm excited, to your point, um, you know, because you were mentioning K Street, when people don't know K Street necessarily, that's where all the lobbyist office are, offices are. And, and really, rich people want to control politicians, especially in the Republican Party, um, uh, to continue to push back, like you said, to, to, to fight this fight, because they don't want not to be rich anymore more or they still will be rich but they want to be richer right and they don't want to pay taxes and these are people that are the upper one percent of our, our nation oh oh my god we're out of time we're out of time right, erica we're gonna have you back i want to finish the conversation mark please have her back i want to finish the conversation i'm so excited i forgot we're on, forgot we're on radio thank you erica bye it's been a challenging year and Consumers Energy knows asking for assistance isn't always easy. Thank you for calling the Assistance Center. How can I help you? Hi, um, I just got my most recent energy bill, and I'm not sure I'm going to be able to pay it. It's been a really challenging year, and I was just wondering if there's any help available. If you need help with energy and other bills, call 211 or go to mi211.org. With the powerful combination of Michelin X1 tires and the Michelin Energy Guard aerodynamic solution on your truck, you can save 17 gallons every 1,000 miles. Go to business.michelinman.com slash fuel saver for details.